You're listening to Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. The world's locked down and travelling isn't really an option. So I thought, why not do the next best thing and talk about it? From living all over the world to working as a tour guide, I've seen some amazing places and met some great people. Each week, I'll speak to globetrotters and industry professionals about their travel bubble choices to provide you with post-lockdown inspiration and top travel tips. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. Hello wherever you are in the world, we're now in 61 countries. The latest countries to join that list is Jordan. So a big hello to all my Jordanian listeners. Hope you're doing well. Um, How are we all? Are we all good? Hope you are. I'm quite well. I've been quite busy at the minute. I've been leading... um, just back from a, a tour of Hadrian's Wall. It was a six-day hiking tour uh, from like Carlisle to Newcastle, essentially. And it was, it was really fun. Keeps you fit, had a good group. Um, and Hadrian's Wall is just one of those like bucket list things that I think should be on everyone's list to do in the UK, so I'm back for that. The, the hardest bit of the trip was actually getting back from Newcastle. It took me about 36 hours due to British British trains. So I'm not not a huge fan of British trains at the minute. But it did mean that I could go back to St Helens for a brief pit, pit stop, which was quite fun. But now I'm back in sunny slash rainy Cornwall, ready uh, to go back out on the road again next week and do it all again. But a big thanks to those who listened to uh, episode 27, last week's episode, with uh, Jason Clitheroe Boken. A few people got in touch and said it was a favourite episode ever. It was quite... Um, uh, quite a funny one. Someone said it was quite debauched. Is that right? Debauched? A bit of debauchery. Um, and we also created one of the biggest debates in travel bubble history. This is... Um, most, most More people have got in touch with me about this than any other thing in travel bubble, so I must be doing something wrong. But it was those people who, um, who actually knew Jason. They thought he was putting on an accent for the, for the entire episode. They thought he had basically a phone voice. But he, he denies that. He said that's just how he speaks nowadays. But that'll, that's what four years out of the country will do do for you. People people will laugh at your accent. But if you did miss that one, go back and listen. And you can go back and listen to any Travel Bubble episode, really. Scroll through the list. If you're new to Travel Bubble, scroll through the list. Pick an episode. Pick a person's face that you like. And go back and listen because they don't go out of date. They are what we call in the industry, they are evergreen. A bit like a tree. You can go back and listen anytime. But thanks for, for listening to those who already have. And now it's time for episode 28. And this one is with the travel pro, my friend Amy Angelilli. And Amy is a laughter yoga instructor. She's also an improv teacher. But really don't let that put you off. <laughs> Just a joke. Now this is a good episode. Um, I met Amy out on the road. Um, I took her around Central Europe. A couple of years ago, we met in Vienna and we went to like all like the cool cities like Budapest, Krakow, um, Prague, those kind of places. I made a really good time and I've kept in touch ever since because um, she loves traveling and she's very very a very funny lady as well. So I thought she'd make an ideal travel bubble guest and she really did. Um, and we talked a bit about um, how like the improv 
So she's an improv teacher. I'm not sure if you're familiar with improv comedy, but you can um, go and have a deep dive into that uh, if you like. But we talk about basically how the improv um, mindset can can work really well when it comes to travel, because like there's and you've probably heard this a lot on the podcast. Like you can plan all you want, but ultimately, at the end of the day, when you are traveling, there's no such like there's possibly that plan is not going to go the way you want it to. So you've got to be able to roll with the punches and improvise, and that's how like the the improv improvisational the improv mindset can help you when you're traveling. Um, basically, um, get out of your comfort zone and just say yes, yes and, which is like the improv motto, um, yes and what, like let's go and do that, let's say yes, say yes to everything when you're travelling basically, so we talk a bit about that and we have um, quite a lot of funny funny stories along the way, so I'm excited for you to listen to this one. If you are new to Travel Bubble or maybe you're a long term listener, either way, thank you for your support, but there's a few ways you can help us, you can like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Travel Bubble Podcast. You can give us a rating. If you ever see like an option to give us a five-star rating, go and do that, especially on Apple. And you can subscribe to us. So wherever you get your podcast, subscribe. And the more subscribers we have, it means, number one, it means you don't miss an episode, but also, number two, it's good for the algorithms and it helps us look popular and promotes the podcast to other people's like, oh, you like travel? Well, maybe listen to this one, Travel Bubble. You know what I mean? So I'd go and do that. And like, say if you see, uh, another thing you can do is like tell your friends as well. So if they like travel, or maybe they like podcasts, or maybe they got they drive a lot and they, or they walk a lot, and you they're looking for podcast recommendations. Do do you mention Travel Bubble? And like, if you ever see like a phone lot lying about or unlocked, like a stranger's phone. Just go on there and like they probably have an Apple phone or an Android or Spotify. Just go on there and just subscribe, subscribe them to Travel Bubble, um, and don't forget to sanitize your hands afterwards. But yeah, go and do that. Do me a favor. But that's it for the, my intro. I've rammed on a bit there. I'll be back at the end with the Travel Bubble Film Club, so don't miss out on that and a bit more Travel Bubble chat. But for now, without further ado. It's time for episode 28 of Travel Bubble Podcast, Improv Travel, with my good friend, Amy Angelilli. Hello, Amy. Welcome to Travel Bubble. Yay. Thank you, Maddie. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Um, For listeners, where in the world are you right now? So I'm in St. Augustine, Florida which is on the Atlantic side, halfway between Jacksonville and Daytona. And it's actually America's oldest city. That is quite a fact, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that why you... I always, I always like to say that because people will say, oh my God, you're in Florida, and they'll expect some like Florida man story to follow. But I, I like to say we're America's oldest city, not just Florida's oldest city. So, you know, we have some legit stuff happening here that's not just crazy men fighting with alligators yeah yeah i've seen photos it looks beautiful it looks like a little uh european town on the water actually yeah it's really nice so amy can you give us a bit of background why why are you a guest on travel bubble why have they invited you on to travel bubble 
Oh, like how we know each other? Well, that maybe how we know each other and why why would you make a good guest on a travel podcast? Well, my two passions um, besides cats and Duran Duran and Bon Jovi, so three besides Great. those things, are improv and travel. And I find that um, the improv mindset when available while traveling often makes for a better travel experience. Okay. Can you explain a bit what improv is? Because it, it's one of those things where it's like, if you know, you know, and maybe some of yes. our listeners will be in, in familiar with it. With, they might think of like, whose line is it anyway, which uh-huh. is big in the UK, that kind of thing. Can you explain yeah. a bit about improv? Because before I met you, I didn't really know the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's the way it is. You you meet one person that is a, an improviser and then you get to learn all the jargon and, you know, all the things that come, come with it. So um, in improv theater, uh, basically when you boil it down to its simplest definition, it's theater without a script. And so you're making things up as you go along and you might literally not have anything on stage with you besides um, another improviser and two chairs. And so the, the way to accomplish successful improv on the stage is by the two or however many improvisers you have accepting other people's accepting each other's realities. And you, so you think that's, that's helped you traveling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that if I can be so bold as to say this, I think Americans especially um, have a tendency to have a specific way things are supposed to be in their heads when when they travel, especially people who are uh, who only have the luxury of being able to go on vacation you know, once a year for, for a week or some, something along those lines. And then when they get to the destination, if it isn't what was in their mind's eye or what they had seen on the internet or read about in a magazine, then it's, they can't bounce back from that. Yeah. So it grieves them to the point where it spoils the holiday. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, that it tends that tends to happen with um, people who um, prefer cruises, resorts, those kind of places where, where they'll find other Americans. It's like the more off the beaten path you go, the harder it is for that kind of mindset to lead to a successful trip. And so um, it, it's happened to me. I mean, it it happens to all of us. So I I try to to go with the the mindset uh, of an improv scene and that sure I might have some preconceived notions of like what I might find wherever it is. Um, But what I thought someplace was going to be like, I try to let go when I get there and embrace the present moment. Like this is the reality of CM Cambodia. It may or may not be what I thought based on the travel bloggers that I was following, that kind of thing. Yeah. So does that, does that mean you do less research or do you like research anyway and just take things with a pinch of salt? Yeah. I, I 
do research because out of curiosity because that's um not not so much to have have a staunch plan per se but one of the um one of the characteristics of improvisers is curiosity so it would be really hard for me to not do research because i'm such a i have such a curious personality which goes hand in hand with with improv but i i do the research and try to to let it inform me without navigating me okay. you know like it like it's it's food for thought but it's not the way it's one of the ways it's just it's like a pot of stew and it's one of the ingredients but yeah. ultimately what trumps everything is like what i'm actually seeing and experiencing with my own eyes and all my other senses yeah so how long have you been doing improv like, how did you get into it um, I got divorced for the first time and I wanted to try something new to sort of kick off my new life. And um, I thought to do stand-up comedy and a couple of people were pushing me in that direction, but I wanted um, more of a uh, sort of team environment and uh, more of an environment uh, uh, with people that would be supportive rather than competitive. So I thought, well, I'm going to try an improv, improv class and then I'll get back to stand up at some point. And I never left improv 20 ish years later. Yeah. So like I dabbled in stand up comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Ago, you said that. Yeah. I did it for like the wrong motive. So in the UK, the only way, way you get a sitcom is if you're an emerging talent on the stand-up mm -hmm. scene. So basically, you go and do your open mics, you become a stand-up, and then the networks, like the BBC, the Channel 4s, will find you, give you a sitcom. So my, I just wanted to do that do that ladder, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I never really wanted to be a stand-up. I, I always wanted just to write that, a sitcom. But yeah, I thought the, that's uh, that's like the only yeah. means, that's the means to an end. So yeah. like, I, that's why I just, I didn't carry on because it wasn't something that I wanted to do. It was always mm -hmm. the means to the end. Uh, I'm, but that's the the dream is still uh, maybe to write a TV show one day. <laughs> like I always say, you're not dead yet. So not, not yet. No, with whatever you or me or anybody wants to do, like there there is always an opportunity to do something in some way, as long as you're not dead yet. <laughs> well, that leads into your like, you are known. You brand yourself as the adventure pro. Like, uh -huh. what does that mean? What can you explain that a bit? So. Can I ask you a question first? Yeah. What What did you think it means before you knew anything? And I'm asking this for a reason. Um. So I I was literally, when I came across it, it was like, find your own adventure. So I thought you were all about like making your own adventure. Like it doesn't have to, you don't have to go and climb Everest. You don't have to go and swim, oh, swim the English yeah. Channel. It could be like Perfect. finding your adventure mm -hmm. in the back garden, yeah. Or like go and do an adventure at the end of you at the end of the street. Like yep. make your own adventure. Um, that is that is absolutely right. And the and the reason why that concept came to fruition is because I was living in Colorado, and when you say adventure in Colorado, you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning and you're climbing a fourteener. Yeah. Uh, you know what a 14er is, right? I imagine it's a 14,000 footer, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So there's, <laughs> I, I forget how many 14ers there are in Colorado. Now that I don't live there anymore, I don't keep track of these statistics. But, you know, there's people who want to like bag every 14er. Right. And so in Colorado, there's always a bike-a-thon, a hike-a-thon, a marathon, a this-a-thon, a that-a-thon. So I started calling all those people thoners. Yeah. yeah. And um, and when I first got <laughs> on on Facebook, shortly after I moved to Denver, I'm from Philadelphia originally, I would post photos of myself in activewear. And my friends in Philadelphia would be like, who are you? Like, what the hell is this? And, um, you know, like I skied and I hiked and I, and I did, you know, some of these adventures, but my reason for doing them was because I'm a visual person. So I, you know, I skied before I moved to Colorado, but, but I skied on the greens. I moved to Colorado. I continued to stay on the green slopes. Um, I met, um, a Swiss skier uh, in Breckenridge who stayed in the in the condo all season long next to the condo where 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 I would stay, and he was determined to make me into an intermediate skier. So he gave me all the lessons and this and that, and then finally he said to me, "Okay, you can go back to the greens. You you don't you're not having fun. You don't you don't want to do yeah. this." And I said, "This is what I've been explaining to you. Like my enjoyment of skiing." is to go back and forth and tra to traverse the mountain because I like taking in the scenery, uh, doing the motion of skiing. It yeah. wasn't an adrenaline producing thing. And same with hiking. Like I wanted to go find wildflowers. I didn't want to like plant my flag in the top of a 14er. And then I started to uh, go to different events where I would hear people talk about um you know, what kind of travel they're doing. Like, I remember, I remember being in Belize oh, with a small group, actually Intrepid, with a small group from Intrepid tra Travel. And, and the, the majority of the table, they were talking about like, well, I've, I, I've had this action adventure experience and that action adventure experience. And it's like, well, can you tell me something about the locals? Like, can you tell me about a friend you made along the way? Like it was, it was about like checking boxes. And, and so it really um, became apparent to me, this like lack of dialogue around everybody finding their own adventure and whatever that means to them, because an adventure doesn't have to be like you said, like climbing up Mount Everest. That doesn't have to be everybody's adventure. That's one way to have an adventure. Absolutely. And I, and, and then, you know, improv as part of that adventure project experience, I call improv like a gateway drug because so many, so many people have come to my improv classes and workshops to be able to do the next thing. And the next thing may or may not be theater. Usually it's not theater. You know, like I've come across women who, who are afraid to travel alone. And I don't mean like these big, huge, you know, around the world trips. I mean, just like take a weekend to, you know, uh, get in the car and yeah, yeah. Dr drive to the beach and, and, and relax and clear your head and, and read a, a silly book, you know? But then your improv classes help them overcome that. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. 
So like improv is like this mindset which gets you out into the world and see the world. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it enables you to um, take more chances to um, be more resilient. When like you roll with the punches as well. Roll if with the, the punches, If, if yeah. the train doesn't come, it doesn't matter. If, yeah. if the hotel's <laughs> fully booked when you, t- when you arrive, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah, yes, and I know, I know yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know the yes and. So for for people who don't know the yes and, the, you know the cornerstone of improv is this phrase called yes and, and yes and really means yes, I accept your reality, and now I'm going to add my piece to this existing reality. It doesn't mean I agree with what you're saying or I agree with this reality. It just means that, yes, this reality exists and I'm going to continue to move forward. Yeah. Well, as a tour guide, as a tour leader, it's like that improv mentality is, is something that like we need because we say we have to go and get this train or we're all going to be on this time for this bus. Uh-huh. But you're relying on those trains and those buses running on time or everyone being there in time for the bus. So yeah. You really do have to like roll with it and like yeah. just just roll with the punches, which is something that you have to do in with the travel in general. So like that mindset seems like it's a good travel mindset to have. Well, that's why I was like always a really good train traveler in Spain because all the trains were always late. <laughs> <laughs> As was I, so I was like, "Whoa, get there when we get there," you know. <laughs> but. Going back to travel, like you you yeah. have been around. Yeah, you are a keen traveler as well. Like I, I invited you on because you're using this, you're using that mindset, you're teaching the mindset, but also improv has led you to go around the world, going to different classes, and your main hobby is is traveling. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. My my favorite thing to do is to cross pollinate the travel with the improv, and um, I remember the very first thing I did in Vietnam was an improv show, <laughs> you know, for example. And um, a lot of people think that's very strange. <laughs> well, like it, like, it really gets you in there with, like, if mm-hmm. you get up into a city and you find like the local improv class, or mm-hmm. for me, I find the local running running club. Yeah, the runners, the yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's usually made up of local people and they're usually like welcoming of people, new people into the town. So they, it might lead to other things in it. Like, I mean, I suppose it, it will do for improv. Like you're, you're going to meet people and they're going to tell you where to go, what to do next and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was that, that uh, situation was particularly funny because um, I traveled to Vietnam the last week of the Obama presidency and um, Trump took office like while I was in route. Yeah. And so when I got to the improv community in Hanoi is an international community. So it's a, the shows are in English, of course, because I couldn't do, do them otherwise if they were Vietnamese. But um, so it's these. Uh, don't, put, don't put yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I could do the physicality, I suppose. <laughs> I could add some color. <laughs> But um, yeah, the community thought that I wasn't passing through. They thought I had picked up and moved as a result of the of the election. Okay. So they were especially interested to talk to me. And then when I they realized I was just passing through, then I wasn't as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you first get that like love of travel? When did you first start traveling? Um, well, when I was a kid, 
we we weren't the family we weren't travelers like we went to the same place every year what what was that we went um when i was a tiny child we went to the jersey shore every summer and then um my father had my father bought a house down there and he rented the second floor to tenants that were there all year long. And then the bottom floor was for vacation rentals. And my parents are so fastidious that they couldn't um, deal with how the, the vacationers would like ruin things in the house. Like it just ate away at them. Like they, they weren't hardy enough to deal with it. Yeah. So they sold that house. And then we spent the next two years going to Disney world. And then um, after that, we went, to the Outer Banks in North Carolina every summer. And then in 1998, my parents finally moved there. Okay. And, um, yeah, they're still they're still there. Yeah. They're not they're not travelers. So they like I'm like the wild one. I'm you know, I'm like the 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 black sheep. So I first my first international trip was it was uh, spring break when I was 19 and I went to Mexico. But before you say anything, because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, we, we just hear like. Yeah, no, like, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. It was not that kind of trip. Spring break. No, it was not that kind of trip <laughs> here. Here's why I wanted to go. I was and am fascinated with the Spanish language. And so I started taking Spanish classes in the seventh grade. And in college, um, I have a minor, I have a minor in Spanish and I wanted my first trip out of the country to be in a Spanish speaking. You know, so you, you know how, when you want to do some something and you're, there's no one around you who is part of that world. You're sort of like left to your own voice. And this was before the internet too, by the way. So it's not like I'm just popping something you know, into yeah. the Google and it's spitting back, you know, things like, so I was like, okay, I want to go out of the country. Where can I go? Where will my dad allow me to go? Oh, Cancun, of course. And, um, I wore him down. Uh, and I went with one friend from college and she was an exchange student from Wales. Okay. So it's just myself and Louise, who was white, white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, and this this accent, right? You know, the 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 Welsh accent and the Welsh accent, and then me, who just wanted to speak Spanish with like every cute local guy there was. <laughs> and and I fell in love with a local while I was there. Okay. Um what, what happened with that? We kept in, well, I lost my virginity. <laughs> then I won't draw you a picture about that. Then um, we kept in touch for a year and a half. Oh, it's quite A good. year and a half. We, um, we sent packages to each other, letters. Uh, he called my dorm. Uh, he, he sent me cassettes. Like they were letters on cassettes. That is romance. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And, and he... Um, that summer I studied abroad in Spain. So he was very worried about how that was going to affect us. Yeah. And uh, he, he wanted me to come back to Mexico because he wanted me to stay there for the summer and he wanted to find a job for me. But I had wanted to study in Spain before I even met him. Yeah, yeah, so. So I did that and we, we kept in touch through all that. And, um, you know, t time, started to 
just change the nature of the relationship. It's hard to continue a, you know, a young love, passionate relationship, Yeah, you know, from afar back in those days before video chat and everything. Well, I first met, you in Austria, it was in Vienna, wasn't it? Yeah, Vienna. And uh-huh. You were with um, your husband My at the second time, husband. second yeah. husband, Chris. Yeah, and <laughs> who, who you're no longer with. Yeah. Um, and we, we were speaking before we started recording that you're with you're with a, a new partner now, George. I think uh-huh. his name's George. And he said, you, <laughs> but you've only been together during lockdown, and um, yeah. like it's been a lockdown, like lockdown love. And he's worried about when things open yeah. up, that you're going to yeah. start like traveling and yeah. going the world and things because, like that. Because, because speaking of Mexico, um, off the coast of Cancun is a tiny island called Isla Mujeres, Island of Women. And I had been down there a few years ago to participate and then to present at a women's conference and retreat. So I got to know some of that uh, local community and the expats and everything. And so of course, that's where I went to celebrate my divorce. I took myself on a divorce trip, as you do. Mm. And so uh, February 28th, 2020, I was getting on the ferry to Isla Mujeres and my divorce lawyer contacted me and said the divorce is final. So but it's, it's in those 20 minutes during that ferry ride, I was just like filled with joy and this like this big like weight off my shoulders. And um so long story short, while I was there, I fell in love with the island veterinarian hmm. who I had known about and who had like, our, we were like swirling around each other for years. I had brought his volunteers a humane cat trap a few years prior because it's hard to get them down there and they don't last long because they rust and all that. But I was working in animal welfare and I I, I brought this, this cat trap down for his volunteers, but never actually met him. Like we yeah. like literally just passed each other. So I finally met him accidentally, coincidentally on this trip and we hit it off and um, we, we came back and kept in touch. We were, we were video chatting regularly through WhatsApp and he was going to come visit me in April and I was going to go visit him in May. And then the pandemic hit. And, and I accidentally met George. And so now he's afraid that as once I get my passport renewed and, you know, things start to open up and open up safely that, you know, I'll start to meet gentlemen again. And and the entire country of Mexico is off. (laughs) (laughs) It's like loving the time of COVID. It sounds like a a book. (laughs) So, um, but Long story short, like put in a nutshell, you are mad for travel. You're an ideal yeah. guest for Travel Bubble. You've been all over the world. And I think this improv mindset is is fant- is a fascinating look, like a fascinating angle for travelers. And one like, especially for people listening who maybe haven't traveled mm-hmm. or a bit wary, like, like maybe getting into improv is like a good good way of like giving you the confidence and giving you the yeah um and and now there's so many classes on zoom so whether you're in a community that has improv or not like um you know a lot of the theaters haven't reopened it doesn't matter you can take a beginner class on zoom and and not have any interest in the performance idea of it more the personal development angle of it Mm -hmm. exactly 
Um, I, I was telling you uh, on our previous like previous chat that um, I was looking like if you just Google like UK yeah. improv, uh-huh. there's, there's quite there's loads of um, Zoom Zoom like improv meetings like intro into improv, but also it doesn't limit you. You can you can do a class anywhere. So like you could do it with the best instructors in New York, or you could do it yeah. in the, like in San Francisco or wherever in the world because you're on Zoom. Well, I, mean, I, I had an improv class today and well, my, and my instructor is in the UK. That's man, isn't it? See, yeah. like, that's cool. <laughs> but you're a teacher and you're, you're an instructor, like improv instructor in, um, in St. Augustine, but you're also still learning. Like you're still like, you're taking classes yourself. So like, so it's, it's, it's constant. It's never, you never like, it's never finished. No, I don't. I think like, just like with life, you're never finished. Um, I mean, there's certain workshops and certain classes I wouldn't take because they're geared toward beginners. But for example, this class today is a specific technique that comes from the acting world that I've always wanted to see integrated into improv. So it's given me an opportunity to be exposed to a new tool. tool. And I kind of, I I feel like the the people who do the best in improv have um, the lifelong learner mindset. Okay, so they're constantly evolving. Yeah, because in improv, even if you've been improvising for years and years and years, you never actually know what's going to happen in a show. You never actually know what's going to happen in a workshop, whether you're teaching it or whether you're taking it. Yeah. You know? So you need to keep those muscles active and like yeah. supple. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll get back um, more travel bubble specific, Amy. You're familiar with the concept? Yes. <laughs> okay. So that being said what would be your first travel bubble country so i was tormented by this um and i finally decided that it would be greece okay um i think greece that's the first time greece has come up which is surprising because greece is beautiful why have you chosen greece um so i've not been to greece and just like with Italy, it's like, I call it like well, breaking this. Uh, Amy, I'm going to have to break this to you. It has to be a country that you've already been to. Isn't this the question about, isn't this the question about. The wild you, card. Oh, wait, I'm getting the questions backwards. Isn't this the question about if you could pick one country you've never been to? No, that's the wild card. But, so we'll, oh, that's the wild card. That's the wild card oh. at the end. So. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Yes, okay, it's Italy. Okay, so I'll, I'll go back. It's, go it's back Italy, it's Italy. Okay, go. That being said, Amy, what would be... <laughs> that being said, this Amy... so improvisational. Yeah. That being said, Amy, what would be your travel bubble destination number one? Italy. Oh, why Italy? <laughs> because um, I'm Italian. Well, I'm only half Italian. So I'm Italian-American, but I'm half. And um, I've been to Italy three times. And I don't speak Italian. You know, I speak, you know, pre- pretty okay, like conversational Spanish. But I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever visited a country where you just feel like you belong there? Um, I have I've visited countries where I feel a strong affinity to, to 
and feel like that I want to live there, like live there. But no, I, I, honest answer, no. There's nowhere I've ever felt like, oh, like, oh, this is like being back at home. Oh, this is my, this is where I belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I, no, yeah. No, I've never felt that. No. So that, so, so that's that's what it was like for for me the first time, and it's 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 really weird because, um, so my my father has never been to Italy. My aunt, his sister has been to Italy. She's a nun. So she went for, you know, a religious pilgrimage. My grandparents spoke Italian. So what's the connection? So who, who was, who was the, who came to Italy? Who was that? Like who came to Italy? Who came to America from Italy? Well, the, the grandparents, but the great, my great grandparents. Okay. So, and my grandparents spoke Italian, but they never passed it to my my father and my aunt and I always feel like they did a big disservice because they never passed it to me and I would love to be speaking Italian and a couple of strange things happened on that first trip the first strange thing was I went to the area where my father's family is from okay so where's it, that it's it's Pescara so it's due east of Rome on the other side of the country and I stayed in a in a bed and breakfast and the, the husband and wife that owned the bed and breakfast really took to me again this is what happened with me I, like people in Italy just took to me and I them right and and the husband looked like a younger version of my dad it yeah. was so 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 crazy how much he looked like my dad and they said to me well you should have let us know that your family was from here because we would have done some digging for you. Yeah. So, well, like, before you got there kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So to see if they, if they, if they could find, you know, any, any relatives. And here in the States, the name Angelili is not very common. In Italy, it's very common. So if you if you get a phone book in Rome and you look up Angelili, it just goes on and on forever. Right. So it's a bit like Jones or Smith yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like right. Angelili's everywhere. Right. And um, you know, my my great aunt had given me a name of of a distant cousin. They only spoke Italian. So um for part part of that part of that trip, I had a a tour guide um because I was doing a cats and culture tour which is a whole other story <laughs> now go on quickly what's, what's cats and culture <laughs> so cats and culture i had done volunteer work at uh it's called tori argentina in rome it's the square where caesar was assassinated and so now romans love cats and in the in the early uh 20th century cats were being dumped um in, in this area where Caesar is killed, the square. And so these ladies said, instead of moving the cats to someplace, let's actually build a sanctuary right here. And if you're on street level, you look over a railing, like the ruins are below street level, okay? And then on one, like you walk down these stairs in one, one corner and there's a cat sanctuary that's underground. Okay. And so the cats just like, are able to, you know, walk through the the ruins and then go inside and they have international visitors and they have international volunteers. 
Okay. So I was a volunteer and their sister organization is in San Francisco and they do as an aficionado of, of Italian art and cats. So you, you visit art and you visit cats uh, in Venice, in Florence, in Rome. And, and, and you, you eat good Italian food and, and drink good, a good Italian wine. And, and part of the proceeds of the package go to the organization. And that's cool. And obviously it's going to be, you're going to be on, on the tour with people who have similar mindset as well. Like it was cat, all cat ladies. Cat it was all cat ladies. And it was all cat ladies and my first husband. <laughs> I remember we were in Krakow when you were like, we were, we were opposite a cat cafe. Yes. That was so great. Yes. I went there and I went to the one in Prague. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So well, it's like another, it's like another lens. Like I remember you talking, Maddie, about how when you travel, you don't, you don't necessarily need to see the, the thing that everybody, you know, wants to see, you see the thing that lights you up. And so to look at the world through the lens of improv, to look at the world through the lens of cats and like the things that I'm interested in has yeah, yeah. It's been like, something I've done. It's <laughs> like when take people around Vienna, some of the best art galleries in the world are in Vienna. <laughs> I, I'll, I, I'm not, I'll be honest with people. I'll say, well, that's the, that's the, that's the, uh-huh. I'm not going in them. I, I'm going to that big beer tent over there <laughs> with the Oktoberfest in playing. Like, cause, like, cause that's what I'm into. But if, yeah. you, if you like art, go and see the art. If you like uh-huh. cats, go and see the cats. Yeah. Yeah. I'll so, you know, in, you. in Vienna, I, I drank delicious coffee. I ate delicious pastries. I drank delicious beer. And I saw, you know, Picasso work and like, that was enough. I didn't need to see more than Picasso, you know? Yeah. And in Paris, I didn't even go to the Louvre. I I went to the Musée d'Orsay because I liked that there was impressionist work in there. And I also liked that it was in an old train shed and I'm fascinated by architecture. I don't know anything about architecture, but I love it as a, as a, as a visual uh, sort of pleasure to take in. Yeah, exactly. Like you do, like you do you. Uh-huh. you, do you and if that's what you like, and that's like, I, why go somewhere and feel like you have to do something like just because it's like that's what the guidebook says, or that's what you feel like you should do. Like, I love to. Like, it's really hard to shake that mentality of like because you do feel like you feel like this pull. Like, I have to go and do it, and seven times out of ten, it's probably disappointing. But yeah, you have, you've mm-hmm. gone and done it, and you've wasted a day or wasted half a day yeah, yeah. just to tick a box. Well, but- I had, I had a, I had a hard time with that in um, when I was in Vietnam because I was, it was three couples. It was a Spanish couple, a German couple, and an American couple, and we weren't all on the same page with how we like to travel and what we like to see and what we like to do. And um there was a little bit of a, a break in attention when we went to Cambodia and the tuk-tuks could only hold four people. So um, Chris and I were in our, in our own tuk-tuk and I was like, oh yes, we can actually, <laughs> you know. Do what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. So going back to Italy, so you- Oh yeah, Italy, were... oh yeah, yeah. So, um, so having that heritage and then like looking at the people, like, I felt like a lot of the people look like me. I felt like a lot of people look like my family members and like 
being in the small towns, especially, and seeing some of the people who were older, who didn't speak any English, and like we couldn't communicate very well, but we were communicating. Yeah. You know? Um, like I just felt like it was a place that I could sink into and and live, you know, not as a as a tourist or not not as as a as a traveler. You know, of course I would want to learn Italian to make it richer, but I, I just felt this like lovely sense of belonging there. Yeah. Well it's crazy to like think that in Pescari, like the people like your ancestors, like but not not distant ancestors, like your great great granddad, uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. Like they were walking the streets of that place yeah. and the buildings are all that old anyway. That yeah. like chances are that they've stepped on them those same cobbles and like they've been through those same doorways or the same archways and uh-huh. that's like that's like goosebump stuff isn't it like yeah. you're literally re- retracing the steps of your forefathers and yeah. things like that like i do love stuff like that that and um my my dad even though my dad eats fast he likes a slow dinner you know like you sit around the dinner table as a family and you just relax. Right. Yeah. And you go back for seconds and you have dessert and maybe you have a tea or maybe you have a coffee or whatever. And like that whole concept of uh, a lingering meal, like a slow meal felt so natural in Italy. You know, the Americans and the way we eat on the run and, no, eat fast, fast, fast. It drives me nuts. <laughs> like, that's not me at all. <laughs> how important was like Italy or being Italian, the sense of being an Italian? How how important was that when growing up in the USA? Because as like a bystander, like an outsider in America, we we kind of like make fun. I'll be honest. Like when the people go to Ireland and you go to Dublin and you see all these American people and they go, "Oh, I'm Irish." Like oh, and they, yeah. the the drinking the Guinness because like oh well my great granddad was Irish, uh-huh. but if you grew if you grew up with that mentality and like there was that pride and you're that's instilled into you like like fair play to you that's that's what it is so it was that what it's like in your house like were you like were Italian like through and through well, how was that my dad my dad is very Italian like my mother isn't Italian at all and so one of the things that he teases my mom about after like fifty years of marriage is. Well, if I had married an Italian woman, then this would have happened or that would have happened or you'd yeah. be doing this or you'd be doing that or whatever. And um, so in my house, like we were always Italian, my brother and I, even though we were only half Italian. Yeah. Like we were Italian. Okay. And um, like I, I, I look Italian. My name is Italian. And, you know, we have... We were Italian. Yeah. Okay. So going back to Italy, what would and, be? But, but I know, I know, I know what exactly you're talking about because I literally just had this conversation. I can't remember with who, but sometime in the past week, someone wanted to get in an argument with me about are Americans are Americans. They're not like Italian American or Irish American or this or that. They're just American. And I, I said, you know, some some Americans are because they've been like mixed with so many different things that they, they're not like drawn to a thing in particular, yeah, yeah. but so, some are. No, I think that's good. 
And I think it's a good thing about America and it's a very good thing about Australia as well. You see these communities and they're like the Greek first, then Australian or like mm -hmm. the Italian first, then Australian. And same with like Lebanese, the Lebanese first, then Australian. And I think it adds, add this culture and like this, add this depth to a country. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's good. And I think having that sense of like identity, like you're Italian or you're Lebanese or you're Greek, like having that, like it gives you a bit of pride, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to be proud of America as well. It just gives you something oh, yeah. else. To for sure. For sure. To. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. what would be your highlight in Italy? What would be your must, must do, must see uh, activity in Italy? Oh, it's not going to be any of those things, you know, like it's not going to be go to the Vatican to do all those. It's going to be eat as much gelato as you possibly can Okay. because it's the best gelato in the world. If you're in Rome, walk as many places as you can. Don't get on the subway. Yeah. Like take, take breaks and sit in the cafes to regroup. Um, get, uh, in in Rome, get over the Tiber River into the Trastevere neighborhood because that's where the locals live. Okay, you know, get like the real sense, escape go, the tourist yeah. bubble. Go go to the go to the markets um, that are in the squares, and you know, buy, buy some food there to take back to your apartment to eat, or you know, or buy 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 a piece of art on the square. Yeah, well, well speaking of food, what would be your culinary highlights from your three trips to Italy what is there any like meal or anything that like any food memory that like, jumps out of you in particular no. Sammy hold on I've got a barker okay <laughs> hey hey Sorry, I knew that was going to happen. Okay, it's fine. No problem. Um, Italy has, to me, the best food in the world. Um, and there's not one thing I can say to eat, except eat as, as I said, eat as much gelato as you can, taste as much cheese as you can, and taste as much wine as you can. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, like, if you combine your must do it which is walking you can eat as much as you want because you've, uh -huh. walked, you've walked it all do you, off do you know um i've lost weight on holiday after, after like, visiting italy but just because you walk you're just on your feet but, so much well you're on your feet so much and if you go to the hill towns you start at the bottom of the hill and then you're you know the town is on top of the hill so you're climbing up the hill and also the portions are not crazy like in the states yeah yeah you know so that mediterranean diet is lovely and the portions are perfect and yeah. so you feel full but you never feel stuffed no it sounds good i italy somewhere that i want to get back to i've only been to rome like ticking the mm -hmm. box mm -hmm. but it's somewhere that i'd like to delve into is there anything else you'd like to say more about italy oh, before we move on orvieto orvieto is a is a sweet tiny town north of rome and it's where orvieto wine comes from 
Okay. These little sweet narrow s- streets that you just walk through and, you know, buy local art and, and drink the local wine. Like I was hoping that the crazy cat ladies would forget me and just <laughs> keep, keep on, <laughs> keep yeah. on going. Um, that was really special, but you know, the, the one thing, there is one thing I want to bring up about Italy um, having to do, this gets a little philosophical. It has to do with our sense of awe. So, so I read a travel article that was talking about how we've lost our sense of awe when we travel because everywhere we go, we can see before we get there. Yeah, yeah. We can see in magazines, we can see online, you know, there's, there's never a, a surprise view. Yeah. Everything, everything we already know. So I had wanted to visit Venice since I was a little kid. You know how like when you're a little kid, there's always some place in the world that you think is like fantasy land. Yeah. So I, for me, it was Venice, partly because it's Italy and the family thing. And partly because I just couldn't wrap my head around these, you know, um, waterways as roads kind of thing. Like that just seemed like a Disney World sort of thing. Like I, could, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So on that trip where I went to Pescara, um, we took the train from Pescara to Venice, which was the meeting spot uh, for the cat ladies. And, um, and I walked out of the train station and I saw the water, the canals, like literally like you walk out of the train station and there's a canal, like where in most cities you would like walk out of the train station and there's the road. I literally started to get teary. Yeah. literally like and and the more i travel the less that happens because the the more you've seen with your own eyes and then the more you see online but and i literally said to my husband at the time i said oh my god it's actually real it it really they really are real canals well i think it's called uh stendhal's stendhal's syndrome well, yeah, you're you're overcome with a sense of beauty or with a sense of awe, and you you have like a physical reaction to it, and people faint or people have panic attacks because things are so beautiful and so uh-huh. awesome. So like it's a real like it's a real syndrome, like the real illness that like, you can get because you just you. So like, I was sick. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, you had you had Stendhal syndrome in Venice. <laughs> <laughs> like it's true. Look into it. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, so it's a real, it's a real thing, and but like you say, I was legit. It's, it's hard to hard to replicate, like, like because like you say, we're so used to seeing things, and we have expectations in our minds that very rarely are met. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, Amy, Italy is your travel bubble country number one. What yes. would be your travel bubble destination number two? So number two um, is, if you can believe it, and you'll probably laugh at me after the things I've already said to you, is Mexico. No, like, <laughs> but it, it's, you, you think I might laugh because it's so close oh. to America, but for us, Mexico is exotic. It's cool. It's, it's the yeah, place. because it's so close. Because yeah, it's so for close. For you, it's like you maybe take it for granted. Like it's just there for you guys, mm-hmm. but for us, Mexico is exotic. It's like it's on it's on one of the top of my bucket lists. Like I'd uh-huh. love to go to Mexico. 
And not and not for Cancun or any of those resort towns. Mexico is just it's so beautiful and it gets such a bad rap. Um because of spring breakers, you know, because of Americans going down there and acting like idiots, because of the resort communities and because of the drug cartels. And if you visit real Mexico and you talk with real Mexicans and and eat in like the little tiny nothing places, you know, it's just such a lovely, lovely, lovely experience. And I love Mexican art. I love all the tiles. I love all the colors, you know. Um, I have so many beautiful blouses from Mexico. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do? <Yeah. laughs> that must look cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, like... So where have you been to? What have you, what have you, because I, I, I've seen the photos from the Isla Mujeres. Like, yeah. how often do you go to Mexico? Is it like, is that like your, like, I don't know. Is it like your, is that your like city break? Cause it's just so close. How often do you um, get there? There's no, there's no rhyme or reason for it, to be honest with you. Like, um, you know, I went there for the first time when I was 19 and I just was there that that was the last place I used my passport before the pandemic shut everything. So from from 19 to 49, I've been going there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I went to I went to did the spring break thing. I went to this women's conference and retreat. I went uh, because San Miguel de Allende was voted top city in the world over and over and over again, and uh, there's an improviser there <laughs> who, who had taken a friend of mine in to, to, to teach a workshop. And I was like, I got to get there and to see, you know, what all the hype is about. Like, I don't know, just like silly reasons that just keep keep popping up, you know? Is it somewhere um, that you'd like to like retire to or like live, uh-huh. live down there full time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was married to Chris, who, you know, my second husband, we, we talked about moving to the island. In fact, we uh, talked to Canadians who were selling these little casitas. And our plan was to, like, ha- there's four, and our plan was to have the biggest one of the four um, be ours and to continue to run out the other three and live there part of the time. But then we moved from Colorado to Florida, and it seemed ridiculous to, like, live at the beach and then go to another beach (laughs) like it didn't make sense it's like what were we doing but um yeah every time i go there i think about i think about living there okay Um, so um it's big mexico isn't it where like where where have you been to like oh oh like there's there's more places that i haven't gone than, than than where i've gone like i definitely could go back and do a, a much longer stretch like i want to go to oaxaca i want to go to sayulita um you know i've been i've gone from i've gone from san diego into mexico i've gone from tucson into mexico i've gone to cancun and isla mujeres and holbosh and um and san miguel de Allende. have you have you heard of holbosh no no because there's more Europeans there than than Americans. Oh, actually. really? Why? Um, because it is 
not as it's not cancuny you know like it's not like cozumel which is like i call it cancuny um so it's more it's a little it, it, it requires work to get there so it's like it's two hours north of of cancun and um the roads are dirt and there's uh taxis and there's golf carts and and that's it and it's it's super laid back um and charming but for me i didn't find it uh, also the the bugs in certain seasons not the season i went but the bugs are supposed to be so bad in in certain seasons they'll carry you away um but because it's been kind of like undiscovered it's where the europeans have been coming to to buy property okay I know so Mexico is quite a good um, digital nomad kind of area yeah. at the minute because uh-huh. it seems to be a bit like you can definitely get in there during the now because even despite COVID, you can go there yeah. and find somewhere nice but cheap rent, know, bit of internet. I'd, I'd be up for that. It's really sad though because it um, it has the fourth highest, or at least it did. I haven't seen the numbers recently, but it did have the fourth highest COVID rate in the world. And part of that is because of keeping it open. Because they need that money for tourism. They need that to money. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's an awful, catch-22, uh-huh. awful, like, uh-huh. vicious circle. It is bad. Uh-huh. Um, on a lighter note, what would be your, <laughs> your must-do activity in Mexico? My must-do activity? Yeah, besides, yeah. Besides meet handsome Mexicans? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, must-do, must-see, must-visit, like, place activity attraction um well i i feel like san miguel de Allende people need to go to at at some point in time if 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 you're a travel it has been named the number one city over and over again so what's special about it i i I, i've never heard of it i don't think i might have seen if you showed a picture i might have seen it or something but Top of my head, so I can't think. San Miguel, de, San Miguel de Allende. It's a it's a colonial town, and 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 the downtown has a big, huge cathedral on this beautiful square. So, like the entire, that's like the heart center of the town, and that's also um, the lowest point geographically at the town. Oh, cool. So the te- so like our our little Airbnb house was up on one of the hills and so you would walk downtown literally by walking down because you were walking down a hill yeah yeah so you would walk these couples i couldn't live there because you as you know i have like bad achilles and my achilles would not survive these hills (laughs) on the daily (laughs) uh but completely completely charming so you walk down these cobblestone streets to downtown and um it's just it's just great eating it's great drinking it's great shopping and just great being you know what i mean like you can be there and lose track of time because it's so very pretty and like what one of the one of the most uh fun memories i have of that town has nothing to do with anything that was planned it was um a family of musicians and dancers that were singing and dancing in the square. And I guess they didn't get the permission to do so or whatever, because they kind of got kicked out of the square. Okay. 
And oh my gosh, it was so upsetting when they did because like we were all just yeah, everyone was loving it. Oh yeah, yeah yes, yeah. affixed to them. The and like like gr- gr- grandparents down to grandkids, like tiny little young kids to yeah. you know way old folks that were all like in this 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 family musical like. I'm speechless just talking about like we took a little video and it was watching the video is is like nothing like nothing could be like being there like the Mexican husbands or the Mexican Jacksons or something yes (laughs) (laughs) sounds good better even better even better (laughs) so um um, and like like that's a that's a thing isn't it like like we were saying before like you go to like or you might go to the Vatican you might remember that, but it, your your best memory of that place was this family yeah. singing in a square, uh-huh. and yeah. they, they were actually trespassing, and they were. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's the thing that sticks in your mind, and that's that's the thing that you can't plan that, can you? That's why I almost don't like the questions about, well, like what do you have to see or what do you have to do? Because who am I to say what somebody else should see or do? Because I don't want to make the determination about what's important to somebody else. No, but that's why. You know what I mean? <laughs> the question is, what's your must see or what's your must Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not, say- I'm no, not yeah, saying no, I don't no, like okay. your question, but like yeah. pe- when people find out I've been somewhere, they'll yeah. like ask. And I mean, I don't know, like how much you like cats because I know this great cat cafe. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> people or this me, great, like- or this, this great like vintage shop, like, you know, we found a great vintage shop when we were on the, on the the adventure with you. And I got this, I don't buy or try not to buy leather anymore. Every once in a while, like in Italy, I'll buy leather boots or I'll buy a leather purse because it's Italian. Um, but because of working animal welfare, I really try to stay, stay away from that as much as possible. But like in the, in that little, um, shop in, um, where were we? Was it Prague? Finding this, old 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 beat up leather purse in this vintage shop oh my god i you know it's like oh this purse has been bought and sold a million times already yeah, so i love it you know I, well it's almost irresponsible not to buy it. If, it if it's in a vintage shop a secondhand shop yeah it's like you're extending that that life so that yeah animals uh-huh. died for mm-hmm. a cause like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. definitely rationalize it but yeah same with me like i my thing is like dive bars and like yeah like divey pubs and but that's not everyone's thing like some people might hate these like grungy little horrible well, bars but for me that's what i like and uh that's why i seek out well i am um, on the one trip to italy uh it was one of those trips where like this friend was coming for this period and this friend was coming for this other period so it was like all these like planes trains automobiles with people sort of like coming and going and I was waiting for my British friend to arrive in in Rome. And I took myself out to dinner at Piazza Navona, which is a super touristy square. Right. And, um, you know, you, you know it. Uh, and so it's all tourists. Um, dinner's more pricey there. But you know what? I just wanted to sit by myself in that square and eat a meal and drink a glass of wine alone before my friend got there because I just wanted this, like the square is so noisy and there's so much going on. And I just wanted quiet time in that square yeah. to like take it all in. Um, 
and I had a great time. And yeah. I knew I was like over overpaying for my dinner. You know, like mm. I, I I knew exactly what what I was getting into, but I wanted um more out of that square than I was getting by just passing through and I remember I took a photo in that square of this Italian guy leaning out his window and it's like one of my favorite oh, photos cool. you know yeah, the, yeah you know not the tourist kind of photo yeah, cool, or whatever yeah. but just you know caught caught this this gentleman just in the middle of his day okay so what would be your food highlight of Mexico oh Mexico food highlight um There isn't one thing in particular, I will just say this. Um, if you're in Mexico and you've never been to Mexico, be prepared to eat real Mexican food as opposed to Tex-Mex or Mexican-American or Mex Mexican-British or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. when we go, like there's Mexican restaurants everywhere. Yeah. The yeah. food tastes a bazillion times better in Mexico. Okay. Um. So eat lots of it yeah no I, I know what you mean like like yeah everything gets anglicized or americanized yeah. and but that america in mexico it's it's real mexican food mm -hmm. <laughs> so go and try it and we i i went to a restaurant in on holbosh on that that crazy island and I, I i couldn't even tell you what it was called all i know is it was some of the best food i've ever had in my entire life and it was real Mexican food. Yeah, proper. You know, yeah, proper proper Mexican food. <laughs> proper Mexican. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've had. Two I, I'd be a terrible Anthony Bourdain. Just eat the real Mexican yeah. food. Just eat, just eat loads. Eat loads. Yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. Eat as much as you can. Uh, Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you watch his episodes, though, like there isn't much food in his in his cooking in his travel shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There isn't yeah, much yeah. food. It's more, mostly him just meeting people and having a drink. <laughs> and do that too. Do that too. Oh, can I speak to that actually? Um, I don't remember if we were on or off when I was telling you about Belize. Um, oh, I was talking the whole find your adventure and being with that group from Intrepid and they were all, oh, well, I've been to Thailand and I wrangled an elephant and, you know, I've been to South Africa and I like hugged a shark and, you know, yeah, yeah. All, all the things or whatever. Um I was traveling with my, this is funny too, my first husband's daughter and right. he and I were already divorced at the time. So she uh, was like a little sister to me. So she, she was like 10 years younger than me and not, not um, she hadn't traveled much, but the reason why I love traveling with her is because she had the same mindset. She wanted to eat the local food and talk to the local people. Yeah. So um, after that dinner, we were, I, we didn't even say anything to each other, but we could just tell by each other's faces that we were over the, the spending time with the group. And just like with you, we hung out with a guide and she introduced us to her local friends in the town. And we had a few beers and we had the best evening. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about stupid things like why they leave their Christmas trees up for so long or you know, all, all yeah. those dumb things, but, and that's, that's another reason why I almost don't like recommending things to people because it's like, what do I like to do? Have a stupid conversation with the locals about a dumb Christmas tree. You know yeah, what I mean? Like exactly. there, it's those little moments because 
if if you go to countries and you're only ever with the people that are like you like yeah how how are you how, how do you expand how do you tap into that local in any way yeah, yeah like i would much rather spend time with the guide i would much rather have the waiter sit down and chat with us like yeah, i would yeah. much rather have the chef come out of the kitchen or like and like any of those opportunities absolutely i, I agree with you there yeah tap into that that's good so uh italy mexico what would be your travel bubble destination number three Um, does it have to be a country? Um, yeah. It does have to be a country. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, tell me, what, what are you going to say? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll say you could tell, you can veto it or not. Okay, go. Okay. What I was going to say was the Pacific Northwest uh, of, of the U.S. But if you don't want it, then... Well, you-, you get the U.S. anyway, so there's no point having no. the U.S. Okay, so we'll just, so yeah, we'll yeah. just scratch it. Okay. So the U.S. So- is in your travel bubble automatically because you're, that's your country. So you I know, that. it's just like, I'm in the southeast part of the country and that's the northwest, so that might as well be like... Diff- yeah. Well, yeah, that's the beauty of... You. People choose the U.S.A. all the time on this show because you've got that variety in your country. Right, because so of the looking. variety, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what would be your f- third travel bubble country <laughs> that the place that you don't live, you're not from? Wait, now I, now I have to... <laughs> Hold on, give me a second. I want to choose. Oh, see, damn. Okay, so here's my other question. Tell oh. me if this counts. Okay. Do do the U.S. Virgin Islands count? Um. No, no, no. Are so they, he, are they they're not the state. Are they like? like we, it was in the UK. We have lots of Commonwealth countries. Okay, and like so, technically so, under, and they don't count. So, the U.S. Right. Virgin Islands don't count. Okay, good, good, good. And it's not all of the Virgin Islands. Um, because I've been to the U.S. Virgin Islands and I've been to the British Virgin Islands, but one island in particular stands out to okay, me. That's good. Go on. Yeah, which is Saint John's. Saint John's. Okay. And that is that is an American island, and Saint John's was the birthplace of ecotourism. Right. In, in, in what Did you sense? know that? No, 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 not at all. No. So the place that I stayed at, which is why I stayed at the place. Um, was actually the birthplace of ecotourism. And since then it's been sold. Um, and I haven't followed what has happened to it because it upset me that it was sold. Um, but basically it was like, I sort of felt like, I never went to a Girl Scout camp, but I felt like it was like, if the if there were to be a Girl Scout camp for anybody, not just girls, <laughs> And it was built into the side of a mountain that overlooked the sea. That's what this was. Okay. So you 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 had these little tiny um they were little tiny like wooden structures that it was like glamping, little tiny wooden structures with um what do you call that material? Uh like tarp like canvas tarp yeah okay yeah all, yeah. all weather canvas tarp over yeah, yeah, them exactly yeah um on built built in, into the side of the mount the the mountain 
with all these like wooden walkways connecting all oh, of cool. them to to each other and then there were like little bathhouses sprinkled throughout Class. and then like at the bottom at the very bottom there were cats that lived there too by the way <laughs> at the very bottom were the cats and just below the cats at the very 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 bottom was the the beach and right. the ocean that sounds cool so how did you end up in st john's what's is it like a common destination for U.S. tourists? Is like, like Hawaii or well, something like that? Or St. Thomas is a lot more people go to St. Thomas than than St. John because St. Thomas is where the cruise ships dock. Okay. And St. Thomas is bigger and like has all the yucky things like Hooters and you know gross stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So like the more common tourists would would go to St. Thomas. Um, St. John's, however. I went because I had read about this place and I'm like fascinated by green travel, sustainable, sustainable travel, ecotourism. Um, and the Island, more of the Island than not is protected land. Okay. That's a good idea. And parkland. So how big is it? I just to get it in my head. Like, Oh, I knew you were going to ask me some like questions. Ish. Like, can you drive around it? Can you drive across it? Yes. Or, yeah, yes. Yeah. The, the best thing to do, you can drive around both of those islands, but um, the, the, the best thing to do, they have Jeeps that you can rent um, and you take, a, you take a day and you rent a Jeep and you drive all over the island. Oh, cool. So, so the, would, the, would that be like first, your must-do activity? In, do so, that. That's, yeah. And I don't care who you are or what you like or what you don't like, you have to do that. So the first time I was there, I was by myself. And I was like scared to death to do that because the island is super hilly. Yeah, yeah. And then if it rains and it's all muddy and like I drive a smart car. So it's like to drive a Jeep Yeah. on these mountainy roads. Uh, no. So I, I met a, a woman who was there traveling alone with her daughter and we got friendly and I went with them. Oh, cool. So that was that was awesome. And then the second time I went, I went with Chris and we we rented the Jeep. But I mean, you, you can go for miles and miles and see like nothing but green. And then there'll be like a little, like, I don't even want to call it a town, like a little village, you know? And then there'll be like a sweet little restaurant on the beach. And um, so cruise Bay is where the, the ferry um, brings you into. And so there's little shops and restaurants in, in cruise Bay. And um, that's where you can, you can pick up the Jeep, but it's, it's funny because I, I read an article. Oh, I forget where, but it was a young woman who was in advertising in New York city. And, you know, she was working a million hours a week and, you know, going up through the, the ladder to this promotion, that promotion, working herself to death. And she went to an Ivy league college and she quit her uh, job, got rid of her things, got rid of her apartment and moved to St. John's and became an ice cream scooper for $10 an hour. (laughs) And her parents, of course, were horrified. And she said it was the best decision she ever made because all she was doing in New York was being a hamster on a wheel just to get to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And being an ice cream scooper an ice cream scooper in St. John's in cruise Bay. She saw everyone on the Island all the time, face to face. 
So she knew about everything that was going on with everybody. Yeah. She made friends with so, so many of the residents and she was able to watch these magnificent sunrises, these magnificent sunsets be in nature and actually be present for her life and for the lives of the people that she made friends with. And there was nothing, I mean, there's not much to buy on St. John's. Like it's, it's an island that has lots of houses that are, you know, second homes yeah. for people. But if you're a local, there's not much to buy. Like there's not much to spend your money on. And she was perfectly content having these like in real life, like experiences where she was actually, you know, connecting with people and, Class. and being in this beautiful place. Nice. No, it and sounds I just like, thought like paradise. Yes. And I thought, Oh my God, damn, the ice cream shop is already taken. Maybe, maybe they need a gelato shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, like it's so easy to get caught in the rat race, isn't it? And mm -hmm. you see like people idealize these people who go and do that, but then, then they don't go and do it. Like it's, it's a leap of faith to go and do it, but it's, you can. And like people like do that you, are like a good do example. You know the, um, do you know the story about the Mexican fisherman? Um, nope. Okay. So there's an American on vacation in a small Mexican fishing village and he's watching the fishermen do really well. And he's like, Oh wow, you're a great fisherman. You should sell your fish at the local market. So the fisherman does and he makes more money. And then the American says, oh my gosh, you're doing really well. You, you should um, sell your fish to lots of markets around Mexico. Hmm. So the fisherman does and he does really well. And then, and then the American says, well, you know, don't stop here. You should take your fish to the United States and, and sell it for this big, huge company. And um, so the fisherman does and he does really well and then the american guy says to him well pretty soon what you can do is you'll be so um successful at this big conglomerate that you'll be able to retire and move to a little fishing village in mexico and fish all the time <laughs> that's cool yeah i like that <laughs> that's good no it's good i like that yeah so I, I I feel like that woman with the ten dollar an hour ice cream job sort of like got that story. Maybe she's like never heard it, but you know, it's like if we could if we could all figure out things to do financially to keep us afloat, like uh, we could be more flexible because like not everybody works out of a computer and can be. No, exactly. Uh, we, were, we were speaking to this about this before the episode, universal basic income. And, uh, and I'm, I, I, I could, I could talk about it for hours, but I won't because it will be like a seven hour podcast. <laughs> so instead, a marathon podcast yeah, instead what I'm going to say is what is your food highlight of St. John? Oh, seafood. You just have to, whatever the, whatever the catch of the day is. Okay. So it's just like, Speaking of fishermen. <laughs> yeah, what kind of stuff are they bringing in? I don't know. You know you know. I like, don't pay attention lob, to this. Lobsters, I'm just like, whatever shrimp. the fish is, yeah. just give it to me. Give me the fish, okay. <laughs> no, like, it's a no-brainer. It like I'm, no I'm the worst guest, right? I can't give you details about food because I'm just so busy eating it. Like my, my friend who I traveled to South Africa with, she's Italian-American and she cooks. So she would be able to give you like detailed layer upon layer of like, the way in which things were prepared and all this. And me, I'm just like, 
Just bring me the dish. Eat, more, eat the more, seafood, please, more, please. Eat, <laughs> eat a lot of it while you're there. <laughs> okay. You know, so, it's just like you never, you, you, you never have fish like you have in a place like no. that. Just like in Costa Rica, like you never have fruit like you have. No, hundred percent. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get you. Yeah. So you've had your three travel bubble destinations. They're locked yeah, in yeah, now. Yeah. So you've had Italy, Mexico, and Saint John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah. What would be your travel bubble wildcard destination, which is a place where you've never been to, but like you want to go to? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so that is Greece. I had a feeling that you were going to say Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Why Greece? <laughs> well, I'm part Greek. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm, um, my grandfather on my mother's side was Greek and Spanish, and I've been to Spain several times, and um, I've never been to Greece, and Greece is kind of like, so I have this dumb expression that I say, most people only use this expression when they're going to bars, they talk about breaking the seal, right, so uh, that's like me with travel. Like I didn't want to go to Italy until all the circumstances were like perfect. And then I went the first time with <laughs> way less than perfect circumstances. <laughs> and like, then I just wanted to go back again and again and again. And Greece is like one of those, well, it has to be like a honeymoon or like, you know, uh a birthday with a zero on the end of it or like i'm yeah. making it like more like so you're building crazy. up in your... yeah 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 and now after like doing it for so many years i'm like oh uh i can't yet go to greece it's not gonna be but then, and then before the pandemic i was looking at this one island who you know does uh arts programs for kids and i was like oh maybe i can like put together a program yeah and, and do that you know, do improv. And then I thought, oh, that, that's not going to be like this spectacular. Like, I don't know what I want, like the doves to start like swirling around me when yeah. I get there or whatever. So I think I'm going to need to get on that when things start to reopen so I can sort of break the seal and stop being so ridiculous. No, it sounds like <laughs> Greece is like a world into itself. Um, is there anywhere else in, is there anywhere in Greece that like you've got in mind or is it just, just go there and, and the islands. I mean, yeah. because I, I love islands and I love small towns. Yeah. Um, but I'm not keen on that whole, like big ferries coming to the Greek islands in high season in summertime. Yeah. So I would want to go in the shoulder season. Oh. Um, so as to sort of avoid the mass tourism. Yeah. And I think you can dodge it as well. I think you could dodge a hundred percent. It's it's so big and so, so very Greece. You could definitely dodge those tourists. I think, I think you could. So there's a, there's a town in Florida called Tarpon Springs. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, well, the, it's a Greek town. Okay. There's a Greek settlement there. And so, I mean, it's totally cheesy and tacky. Don't get me wrong. It's like, it's like the, jersey boardwalk only in florida without like the boardwalk yeah you know so it's like so the old sponge docks are there they go diving for sponges just like they do in greece 
but they have like these amazing Greek restaurants, Greek pastry shops. And so my boyfriend, George loves food. Like I, I have never met anybody as obsessed with eating as he is. Maybe you should get him on for his, his food trouble food choice. <laughs> I know, so I'm gonna like from now on, like pass him the food question because I'm just eating, but he'll he'll like get into all the details, right? So there's this restaurant there called Hella's, this Greek restaurant, and like you know, you've seen us go on these little like road trips during the pandemic in Florida. It, yes, we have to drive an hour and a half um, out of our way to eat at Hellas. Class. So so he can be happy for the rest That's of cool. the weekend. I like yeah. it. <laughs> passion, that passion for food. Yeah. Okay. So Amy, you've had your four countries in your travel bubble now. They're locked in. And of course, you've got the USA as well. That's included. Yes. So yes. it's all good for you. But Amy, Amy, before you go, I'd like to ask you a few generic travel questions. What would be your top travel tip for someone about to go abroad, go on the open road, go out and see the world? Uh, pack light. And this is, this is from someone who, who traditionally for many years was a terrible packer. Um, the, the first time I went to Italy, it, it broke me uh, of this habit. I was in um, a villa in, in Tuscany with a big, huge red suitcase that my friend had to drag up the hill to get, to get into the, the villa. And then in Rome, we were in an apartment friend, no, no, on like, like the third floor or something. My friend had to help me drag the damn suitcase up the <laughs> stairs. And then in Italy, um, I shop a lot, you know, so there's so many beautiful things that in Italy that, you know, you can only get in Italy. So I like, nobody flew back with me. I was flying back by myself and I was at the airport with one of those like luggage. Yeah, rack. Trolleys, yeah. I never use those ever. Um, but I did because I had a big, huge red suitcase no, that to. I brought with me. And then all the things that I bought and wine broke at the airport, Ah, well, yeah. red wine. And, so and I said to myself, this is officially the day that I stop bringing all this ridiculousness. No, like you always bring up, bring too more, much more than you need. Like there's a good real word is like pack, put everything out, everything that literally what you just need and then get rid of half of that. And then you uh -huh. put, that's about right for what you should pack. And uh -huh. that's quite a good rule. Like half of what you think you need, yeah. just get rid of it. Um, just bring that half and and you'll find that you'll you just live within your means like if you want to got two t-shirts you just wear two t-shirts like it's and no you big can deal. do and even if you're not wearing because for a while there i got into all that like quick dry stuff and everything because i lived in colorado too so like everybody owns that quick dry nonsense um but then that d didn't feel good anymore but that's like easy to to you know wash in the sink yeah or yeah in the, or in the bathtub and if you're going to like if you're going on safari in south africa like all that stuff is awesome but if you're going to like a regular place and you don't want to bring your quick dry stuff i mean you can still do laundry in your in your yeah. sink i pack yeah. a portable wash uh, washing line and yep. mm -hmm. it's got like those suction caps yep. and yeah yeah just, and obviously all your bathrooms are all tiled so you can mm -hmm. always hang it yep. up and then if you want to wash stuff on the road that makes it just so much easier being able to hang it up 
Uh-huh. Um, and that's that's one of my little travel must must packs. If, if you take a road trip, take everything, take all the things, be ridiculous, right? That's when you can get crazy. Yeah. But when you're traveling by plane, especially if you're going to a place like Italy or like Mexico, I shop a lot in both of those places. Like, and you, if you're going to be bringing stuff home, like you can bring a fold up bag in your bag. Just because yeah, you know you're going to get them souvenirs. Yeah. yeah uh huh. So, speaking of which, what has been your best souvenir you've got from all your travels? Um, besides the romances, um, the memories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I am a, a sucker for Italian boots. Okay. Um, like I said, I don't really buy leather, but I will break and buy. You won't buy leather unless it's really nice leather. Unless it's like amazing, <laughs> and I, and I'll have it for like my entire yeah, life. Yeah. Like my entire like, I still have the boots that I bought on my first trip to Italy in two thousand and five, and they've been repaired, and they just keep on going. Class. I'll have yeah. them forever. Um, that and um, little pieces of art, especially if like the little piece of art has a cat in it yeah. like i have this little tiny print from paris that has a little black cat in it you know and i have a little collage of that with like the little prints i've picked up in in italy class just like and not like not like ostentatious big huge piece of like i can't afford any of that who would want to carry any of that but like i love looking at my walls and remembering the places the other thing I do, I'm not a Christmas person at all, except for the Christmas tree. And that's like the one cheesy thing I'll buy. The baubles. Yeah, the, is yeah. an ornament. Okay. Because then my tree my tree is like a, like if my tree could talk. Yeah, like you've got all be- these memories every time you look at it. No, it's a good mm-hmm. idea. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really good idea. Like, yeah. like, it's amazing what you can, like I've got a, a few shelves of random things. That, well, it's not here right now, but it, I do have one somewhere. And like you just look at that, and it just sparks all these little memories, and like sparks joy. Like you look at that, you go, oh, "That was a quite mm-hmm. a good night," or "Oh, that was a good trip," and they just come flooding back. Mm-hmm. And like to have those yeah. pictures around, or having those things hanging up on your walls, like it's like it means that them them holidays, you don't just pay for that holiday like for that two weeks. You live with it for like ever. Ever, yeah. So thanks for that. Thanks for that souvenir. So I, I paid for um, my last trip to Mexico, the, the divorce trip, I paid for a professional photo shoot because I have a friend who's into women's empowerment and she does these photo shoots when she travels and they're always beautiful. And I, I'm not really into that. Like, I don't feel like I photograph well. And, and she's, and so I'm, I'm always, oh, if only I had a like good photographer try to take my picture somewhere, then maybe I would have a good photographer. She's been begging me to take, do this women's empowerment photo shoot. And she said, if you don't do it for your divorce trip, when are you going to ever do it? So I had these beautiful pictures of me on Isla Mujeres from my divorce trip from this wonderful professional photographer who came from um, Playa del Carmen with his girlfriend, who's a veterinarian. So, you know, it was like, talking cats talk talking in spanish eating you know tacos that like everything but he brought some of his photos with him and he said to me at the end of this like like the most perfect day he said um pick one to take home yeah so i have this beautiful photo that he took of these two sweet little kids in guatemala and i didn't have a tube so this damn thing you know went from the island to Cancun to Holbosch 
to this place is like, you know, back to the island to this, like all over the Yucatan. And I got it home. And of course, like there's little like crease marks in it. Yeah. And, stuff. Oh. and I brought it to get it framed. And I was telling the woman who framed it the whole story. And she's like, these little creases are perfect because it's like your experience. Like, and I, that is hanging like right next to my bed in the bedroom in front of this piece of furniture that looks so pretty. And I love that it has creases because it's like yeah. the story of the day, you know, and of the week and, Class. you know, like it, it's like, our, he was like kind of rough, rough and tumble. And like my trip was messy and like, it was, it's, it's the perfect it thing. Sums it sums up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about all the positive sides of travel. Have you ever been in any, any danger while you've been traveling? Um, I was mugged in Puerto Rico. Um, I was hit by a car in Madrid. Um, yeah, those are the two things that stand out. Right. Well, I, I was hit by a car in Madrid as they were, as they were, um, pulling away with all my luggage and the rental car that the luggage was in. Well, they stole the car. Yeah. Oh my god! I hit and run. Did they get yeah. caught? Yeah, they didn't get caught. It was uh, evidently something that was like pretty common at the Madrid airport. That's crazy. And were you okay in the end? Yeah, like they just like I thought it was somebody that was coming to get the car to like move it to where it was supposed to be returned, like concierge or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like no, actually, a thief stealing the car. Oh so like all the stuff we bought, like that, because I buy a lot in Spain too, <laughs> um, and all the bags and everything gone, but I had like my little bag. So I still had like the passports, my yeah, wallet, yeah. my camera, but uh, they wouldn't, we missed the flight. They wouldn't reroute us. So we had to stay overnight with like nothing. That's crazy. So that's like a common scam. Like that at the I time. don't know if it is now, yeah, but yeah. like at the time it was. Yeah. And then we, when we got to the airport the next day, um, they asked us if we had anything to check and, and we said no. And they looked at us funny because we had like no luggage, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like except this like one little bag between the two of us. And they're like, oh, it's you. Like, like, like Mad. they knew. Yeah. That's, that's awful. Okay. And in, in, in Puerto Rico, yeah, I got mugged. It was just like, I had a little tiny purse that was like this big. It had like a lipstick and a driver's license and like $20 in it. Yeah. Um, so you have you were so the, I was like it was like it was like tug of war like the guy <laughs> and I we were like pulling the bag until it like just like ripped open on the Great. sidewalk yeah so Amy if people want to keep in touch with you where's the best place to find you on like Instagram Facebook yeah I'm on those things um and if they go to my website adventure-project.com It'll um, shoot you to my Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Amy. It's been thank great. You. Had, had I know, chat. we could talk forever, right? We could, we could actually, couldn't we? <laughs> we've actually kept it short, I think. Really? I, I, well, I think we've kept it short for us. I think we, well, last time we talked, it was like an hour and a half before we even pressed record. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, in a minute yeah so in a few minutes so i have to go as well unfortunately but thank you very much for coming on amy oh you're welcome please keep in touch you have been listening to episode 28 of the travel bubble podcast with me matty dias and my lovely guest amy angelili a big thanks to amy for coming on to travel bubble and a big thanks to you for listening 
Um, that was like the second attempt we had at recording the podcast uh, because we had like mic issues the first time. So big thanks to Amy. She actually went out and bought a mic, especially for this podcast. That was very nice of her. But also, she's probably be, she's been doing quite a few other podcasts now. She's got like the podcast bug, uh, and so I, I knew she would. I think she's a really good uh, podcast guest, and I really liked the um, the way, like she said, the way improv can suit you well with travel basically just being being able to roll with the punches and being flexible and being open minded and I've never done improv myself Amy has inspired me to do it but it's not so big in Cornwall it's better in in a big city really but I did sign one of my friends up to do it Uh, episode one's Josh Josh Brown you may may be familiar with him Um, I booked him an improv class for his 30th birthday and fair play to him, he, he turned up and he he loved it. He really did love it. And there's no, there's no way he'd go to an improv class on his own, but got it for his birthday and he turned up and he really enjoyed it. Um, so it is something that I want to do and I think if I ever find myself back in a big city, it's something that I will do. You can do it online, but I think, for me anyway, that would kind of miss the point. I think I'd like to be in a class, classroom environment and doing it that way. But yeah, big thanks to Amy for coming on and I thank you lot for listening. Uh, but now it's time for the Travel Bubble Film Club and this week it's a 2019 French film called Ola. I'll read the synopsis. Ola answers an ad on a dating website and eventually moves in with Pierre who lives with his elderly mother and things don't go as expected. You can put That, that puts it mildly. Uh, it's really fun. It's, it's actually the first short film I recommended I think it's only like 30 minutes long. But basically it's about this Ukrainian like bride, you know you can like dial a bride from Ukraine and this man in this Paris suburb or this French suburb uh, like pays her to come and live with him. And yeah, things don't go as expected. It's a really fun short 30 minute film. Um so go and check that out. It's definitely uh, uh, a good one for the Travel Bubble Film Club. It's available on Mubi. M-U-B-I and I, like I've, I've shouted from the rooftops about movie a, a lot and I do love it and if you do want to sign up uh, you can sign up through my link um, get in touch or I'll, it's on my Linktree account but basically if you sign up you get a 30, 30 day free trial and I get 30 days as well and you have no you can just cancel you can watch a couple of films and cancel it but I don't think you will because movie is uh, very good better than Netflix anyway in my opinion but Thank you for tuning into a Travel Bubble, everybody. I really appreciate the support. Um, we continue to grow onwards and upwards, getting more and more guests, getting more and more listeners. Um, people are finding Travel Bubble. People are telling people about Travel Bubble. And it's great because basically, at the end of the day, it's free travel inspiration, weekly, hour and a half or something like that. Like, what more could you ask for? Um, it is a free podcast, but if you do want to support us, like us on Facebook and Instagram at Travel Bubble Podcast. Go and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and give us a five-star rating wherever you can. Um, but yeah, if you ever see, if you see a post on Facebook, see a post on Instagram, like on it, like it, comment, share it, um, tell your friends, tell your friends' friends, tell your neighbours' friends, tell your friends' neighbours about Travel Bubble Podcast. And, um, I hope you feel like you're part of a like an underground travel bubble community, because that's what I want to create. Like We're like the travel bubblers 
us against the world, finding out about new places and new things. So thank you, and we'll continue to release the episodes and, like I say, continue to provide that free travel inspiration for your future trips and and some laughs as well, I hope. I hope, anyway. But yeah, you've been listening to me, Matty Dias. My guest this week has been Amy Angelilly. Go and find her on Instagram, uh, The Travel Bro. I'll put the links in our show notes. You have been a wonderful audience, I'm sure. And I'll see you again next week. Goodbye.